This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 ESPN. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And the goal that we have is to provide some really good information so that all of our um, people here in the Central Valley make really good real estate decisions. We want to provide you with that information that's going to help you uh, not get into trouble in real estate. One of the personal goals that I have is I, I know in 2008, 9, 10, our market went through a real huge drop. Lots of people lost their homes. There's um, Fresno was in the top 10 for foreclosures. Well, we started this show January 2009. My goal, personal goal, is make sure that next time there's a real estate downturn, Fresno's not even in the top 100 for foreclosures because we make good informed decisions. And that is happening right now. Now, to help me with this show today, we have a couple of guests. We have, and, and by the way, I should say that neither one of you turned in your bio, so it's... I, I was have, not asked for a bio, or okay, I would so, so don't even. That's another issue, so I have free range to introduce okay. them. Okay, the one who spoke already um, is Christy Kutka, escrow officer extraordinaire yes. oh, at yes. Chicago uh-huh. Title. Yes, for sure. And Christy, how long have you been in the... Uh, how long have you been an escrow officer? An escrow officer for 18 years. And, but you were an escrow as an assistant before that. I started that. as the receptionist, and I was loaded because I was making $1,600 a month. I was rich. All right. And then I worked my way up. So I did customer service, and I was an assistant, too. And so I've been with the company for 27 years. All with Chicago Title. All with Chicago Title. Now, that's loyalty. Yes, it is. Um, so you know a thing or two about title mm-hmm. and escrow, yep. which are two different things. Yes. So we will get into that. Then we also have realtor extraordinaire, Brandon Uribe. Thanks, sir. Villa Rio <laughs> Estates Realty. Yes, sir. And um, you've been in the business, I believe, four years. Yes. Been working at the family brokerage for four years. Interesting, because I think you graduated from college, what, uh, down south. Yeah, I went to uh, UC Irvine, graduated from UC Irvine with a degree in political science, and uh, ended up back in the family business, actually, back here in Fresno. So with a degree like that, why didn't you just get into politics? Well, I actually went into law enforcement uh, originally when I had graduated, and I went through LAPD, uh, got in, and at the same time, I was actually a transaction coordinator making extra money as the process was going on. And I was actually getting my real estate license. A transaction coordinator for a real estate? For a real estate office, yeah, for, for our family office. Okay. And so as I was doing that, my dad's like, well, just pick up your real estate license. That way when you're down south, you can go ahead and you know, hang your license somewhere over there and maybe do it here and there on the side. And uh, kind of as the process started happening, I ended up getting my real estate license before actually going back down to Southern California. And all roads led to real estate. It only made sense. So, okay, political science, law enforcement, and real estate. They're, they're three entirely different things. Are you glad you did it? I'm extremely glad I did it. Yeah, I'm extremely glad to be. Why? 
you know, I grew up in, in real estate, um, saw my parents do it kind of growing up, you know, saw the, the hours and the time they put into it. They opened uh, our family brokerage right when the market had crashed. I really didn't know any any different. Um, I just know my parents worked a lot. Um, but when I went to school, I started to really see exactly kind of the behind the scenes. And when, when I became a transaction coordinator, I was like, you know what? I was like, maybe this was my calling, you know, my personality, the way I was, um, kind of the way I worked my days was very similar to how my parents worked their days in real estate. And like I say, all, all roads just kind of led to, to that path. And I'm super excited and super happy to still be in it. And I, I love what I do. Okay, great. And maybe the political science uh, schooling did help you because I'll say this about Brandon. He is this year's chairman for the Fresno Association of Realtors uh, YPN Group which is the Young Professionals Network. Yes, sir. Super excited about that, too. Yeah, so here you are getting into a leadership position at the association. It, what does YPN do for, uh, for our listeners out there? So the Young Professionals Network is um, is a group that encourages realtors who are professionals, obviously, you know, within Fresno, Clovis, Madera, um, pushes them to become more professional. And by that, I mean we provide educational opportunities to become more involved with the association, um, but to educate them on how they can better help the consumer. Um, and it's one of the beginning stages to becoming heavily involved, as you are, Don, uh, in leadership you know, at our local association. Okay, great. Um, Christy, as pe- I think people here, especially in the Central Valley, get title mm-hmm. and escrow mixed up. Right. And there's a good reason for that. Right. Tell us yeah. about that. Well, in Fresno, at least, title and escrow are under the same umbrella. We're under the same roof, even though we might be in different buildings. So in Southern California, there's a title company and an escrow company. but Totally unrelated companies, totally right? Totally unrelated companies. There's independent escrow companies, but Chicago Title will still do the title insurance. Here in the Valley... We all we all work together, so it kind of could get a little goofy because you you don't really talk to the title officer when you're doing a, a transaction. You do talk to the escrow person, but you, we talk title terms because we're clearing them through escrow. Well, that brings up a good question. So, if you are in Southern California, where you have two different an escrow company and a title company, is it common for the buyer? or the, let's say the client, buyer or seller, to talk directly with the title officer? You know, I, I, would, I don't know exactly, quite honestly, just because I don't know what their process is down south. But um, I believe that still the escrow company orders the title report with the title company, and it's still the escrow company's responsibility to clear the items on the preliminary report. So my best guess is that it's probably run similar to what we do here in the Valley. Tell us what a preliminary report is. A preliminary report shows everything that is currently of record against a piece of property. Such as? Such as taxes, deeds of trust, which are loans that the consumer has taken out against the property. Any liens, liens being defaulted taxes, uh, IRS liens, abstracted judgments, family support, County taxes. You know, we we cover the gamut, basically. So if I were to buy a piece of property 
and did not do title insurance, mm-hmm. and there was a lien from the prior owner or the prior, prior, prior owner, right. I would inherit those? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> you're, the, you're the winner. <laughs> I do know of a person who bought a property at an auction right. and didn't do title insurance and right. do, do a search up front, thought they were buying the first trust deed. Right. They, in actuality, they bought the set, the position of the second trust deed. Mm-hmm. So now when they had that, um, w- when they uh, ended up with the property, they had a first lien that they had to pay off. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't such a smoke, smoking hot deal after right, all. Right, right. And, and it's it's interesting because I still have a handful of real estate agents who will be like, hey, I'm going to go buy this property. And I'm like, hold tight. Can we take a look at it first before you think that you're getting this great big deal? And there's things that we can do on the, you know, on, in our office to make sure that, you know, there's nothing out there. And it's not always something negative that that you find. And I'll give you a great example. I bought a piece, well, I bought 15 acres of land mm-hmm. in the Palmdale area, vacant mm-hmm. land. The seller told me, hey, there's no roads, it's landlocked, um, there's no water, There, I mean, it's just land. 15 acres of land. But I was only buying it for 3500 bucks, So it's like, okay, I'll take my chances on this, that things will, will happen. Um, and the, and I think the the scary thing is no roads, no ingress egress. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, because of the good training I've had from so many title officers and escrow officers, mm-hmm. I did purchase title insurance mm-hmm. for th- and the minimum cost was three hundred fifty dollars, mm-hmm. which was ten percent of the purchase price. Mm-hmm. Who would spend ten percent of the purchase price right. on right. insurance, right? right. Well, they found there is an old Caltrans director's uh, easement, de- easement okay. yeah, for roadways. So I here I was buying this property right. really cheap because there was no roads, and yet there is. Now, now, when I went there and I realized an easement for a roadway on a flat piece of paper is a little different than when you see it over the cliff. <laughs> But there's potential. (laughs) Yes, as long as you don't go off the cliff. Yes, for sure. (laughs) That's right. So uh, what are some of the common problems with title insurance or title report? Title report. Okay, so, you know, it is our dream. I'm going to tell you what our dream preliminary report looks like. Our dream looks like that we have the right owner of the property that's signed the contract. It's our dream that the taxes are all paid current. It's our dream that there's no loans or one loan to be paid off. It's our dream that both the buyer and the seller have no previous spouses, no child support, nothing, you know. And every once in a while, that happens. Mm-hmm. But that's a fantasy, you know. That's That really is. Mm-hmm. And that is not what we see every day. We see everything from... Oh, the person who assigned the contract is not the same person that's in title. There's a, you know, somebody who is deceased. There's a trust. There's an LLC. There's additional paperwork that we have to get to make sure that we are having the right person sign 
the, the you know the paperwork? That brings out a, a good point because mm-hmm. more and more now we see ownership being in in a trust, right, or in an LLC, right. So I guess you guys have to review to make sure the right person is signing do. off. We absolutely do, and, and it's really interesting because it is not uncommon that we get this contract with nothing to back it up with somebody completely random as far as we're concerned signing the contract mm-hmm. when in actuality they have the right you know the right person has signed it but we just ha- don't have the paperwork to back it up with it and so an average consumer or I'm going to say most consumers would not have the ability to read through titles of incorporation trust documents to make sure that uh, it's the right person. Right. So what we do is we go and, and ask for, um, in a lot of cases, you know, we start dealing with like a trust and we have somebody who is different than what the original trustee is. We will ask for the pages of the trust that show that if, you know, the successor, how they came into play. So if somebody is deceased, we're going to get a death certificate. If somebody is um, not capable of making decisions anymore, we're going to ask for doctor's notes. We're going to follow exactly what the trust says, though. And in some cases, you know, it's two doctor's notes saying that they're incapable of making decisions anymore. So So there is a lot to this. Oh, yeah. Because if you're a buyer and you buy a piece of property and then you come to find out that the deed that you got was only signed by one of the two people, right. you, you don't have an effective transfer. Right, right. And so, therefore, you've got a cloud on the title. Well, basically, but more than anything, if you have one person that signed a contract and, and the trust calls for two, then you don't have a valid contract. You know, you don't have everybody in agreement. So it's very hard to, and it, all it takes is one person saying, I'm not interested in selling the property. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, then here you've made a checkout to the one person. The second person comes along and says, hey, where's my money? And that's what title insurance is for. You know what I mean? We're going to make sure that everything is done properly. Mm-hmm. And we're going to put an insurance policy behind it. Okay, well, hold on to all these thoughts because we are going to our first commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 ESPN. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. Here in the studio, we have Christy Kutka an escrow officer with Chicago Title, and Brandon Uribe, a realtor with Villa Rio Estates Realty. And no tongue twister. No, you got it there. Amazing what happens when you think. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Hopefully we had the seven-second button on that old dog thing. Um, we've been talking about title and escrow, and I want to really bring out the point of how this affects the consumer. Right. So let's, uh, I would imagine child support liens right. come up a re- re- in regard to a seller. Right. And so um, 
why do you have to clear that and how do you clear it? Correct. So what happens is if there is a lien against an individual, it automatically attaches to the property that they own also. So any lien right. against an individual right. attaches to the property they own. Right. Real property, not personal. Real property. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not your car, but at least your house. So what will happen on our end is um, this is how the state collects their money. This is how all government agencies collect their money. If if somebody's not going to pay it, they're going to get caught up. You know, it's going to get caught up with them at some point. So that that's what we do. We make a lot of money for the state, and we help with you know, abstracts or judgment, and we, you know, so without the title and our, our escrow companies, that would not be happening probably. Brandon, as a realtor, have you ever run across a transaction where a, a lien disrupted your escrow? Yeah, uh, to simplify it, I mean, let's just say we go, we write up, we, I represent a buyer, we write up an offer, everything's solid and, and good, and then we find out all of a sudden that the seller has you know, a, a lien for child support. And now they maybe owe two, $3,000, whatever the amount is. And it puts your buyer in, in a position to where they're not sure if it's going to go through. Oftentimes, you know, sellers aren't very happy about that. They, most cases, they knew about it. They just decided to neglect it, figured they'd sell the house. And they didn't realize it was going to get, at some point, they were going to get yeah, caught then, up with it. Yeah, then escrow calls them and they say, hey, Mr. Seller, you know, you owe $3,000. Mm-hmm. And now they're upset they're pissed off they call their realtor like hey fix it you know there's nothing you can do in situations like that like christy said governments they're going to get their money somehow and they're going to attach it to that and in order to sell the house and to make whatever they're going to make they have to pay that off Mm -hmm. and you know this it's just a kind of a a bump along the path of, of of the real estate process, but in most cases, they, they come to their senses and they say, all right, well, if we want to make our $20,000, we need to pay the $3,000. So a child support lien mm-hmm. is an ongoing thing, I, I would think. Yes, until the child's 18. So um, can one spouse just say, oh, okay, I won't collect any money? I th- from what to, I to allow the transaction right. to so go through. So what will end up happening is we will go reach out to Fresno County supports or child support uh, office downtown, whatever, and we will ask them, hey, we need a demand. They will reach out to the custodial parent and ask if there's any money owing. So. So why is the county involved in that? It, it, if they filed, a, if they filed with the county, then they are involved. Okay, so if it's just a couple, two people, and they never filed, and it's just between them, uh-huh. then one spouse can sign off. If if it is not recorded, I don't care. Okay, not that you don't care, but it's... I mean, I care. I don't want a deadbeat out there, but, you know. Okay. I don't care. As far as the title goes. Right. Okay. Um, but it, once it gets recorded with the county, then the county is the one that has the say so because the county is what kind of like the they're the governing. guarantor. Yeah, they're 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 gonna they're the judge and jury a lot of times. So okay, um, okay, so that's on a child support lien. But what? How about solar liens? Ugh. <laughs> okay, t- well, tell us about that. I mean, so. If you have 
a solar system attached to your property and you're leasing it, it will get recorded against the property. If you're making payments, it'll get recorded against the property. And it is a cloud on the title. And when you have a sale transaction, the seller has to release the information for the buyer to come in and have it transferred. And the buyer has to get qualified, just like the seller did, for the payments of the solar company or the solar lease or purchase. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't always happen. Okay, so... A solar lien is almost like having another loan Absolutely. on the property yep. that's recorded against it. So it ha- the, s- the seller has to either let it be assumed, it, if the solar company will allow an assumption, right. or pay it off, right. or keep the house, right, right, and not sell it. Right. So we've we've had it where the buyer has qualified for the, a new loan. But then they can't qualify for the solar payment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty common, I would say. <laughs> and and that's where the escrow might cancel. Mm-hmm. So it gets messy. Okay, so you're mentioning escrow. We've been talking about title. Why? What is escrow, and why is it different than title? So the way I describe an escrow holder is a couple of different ways. I am a neutral third party. I do not represent the buyer or the seller. My job is to clear title and to uphold the contract. So if I have a purchase agreement and a preliminary report, I know what my job is for the most part. Okay. So you're a neutral third party that handles everything. Uh, Money, loan documents, so you Deeds. hold the money from the buyer correct until you get the proper documentation from the seller granted so that you can affect a uh, and transfer, transfer a, a good title mm-hmm. and then the title insurance is just insurance for the oncoming years that you won't have any title problems right so it's just the cherry on the sunday basically mm-hmm. so it's just ensuring that i've done what i said i was going to do and that's clear title Okay. Um, what are some of the big issues in escrow right now? Like, I, I keep hearing wire fraud. Uh, wire fraud is my arch nemesis at this point. It's changed how we do escrow now. We have to make sure that we have the right people giving us the right information. Uh, it affects both buyers and sellers. It initially started with the sellers. And um, we were getting just bum information from random people, and the escrow people caught on fast. Now what happens with the buyers is um, there are people in other countries. Their job is to basically intercept uh, e- emails from uh, that say wire and uh, proceeds and escrow. And what they do is they intercept the email they pretend to be somebody that they are not. They reach out to the buyer and say, hey, this is how much money we need you to wire, and they present them wire instructions, when in actuality it's not who. It's not the title company. It's this person in a foreign country doing naughty things. So, And it is such an important thing that it's actually on 
part of almost every escrow document a warning about wire fraud. Right. And be careful. Right. We are going to get more into that at the next segment after this commercial break because this is how important that really really is. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really happening, and people do not realize it. And it's been happening. I mean, I've heard of cases in Fresno. Many. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio on 940 ESPN. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we have Brandon Uribe and Christy Kutka here in the studio with us. Christy's an escrow officer with Chicago Title. Brandon is a realtor with the family business of yes, Villarreal Estates Realty. You got it. Um, Brandon, I want to ask you, as a realtor, it, doesn't it get annoying that you have to go through all these disclosures just to make an offer, just to list a property, and there's a whole one-page one in there now about wire fraud advisory. So, it's a we obviously we're going to be talking more about wire fraud, but there's a whole page to disclose this. Yeah. So, how do you explain that to your clients? So it's obviously an issue because they created a form specifically for it, but. The way I explain it to a client is just – I just let them know that wire fraud is real. It's real in real estate. It's huge in real estate. And the reason for this disclosure is to make them aware that if they receive anything that doesn't look right, um, most cases via email, to just pick up the phone, call me, and or call the escrow company as well. I receive emails myself saying – you know, so-and-so company, SBCGlobal.net, you know, for the purchase of your home with no home address, you know, submit your deposit of, you know, $2,500 to this account. Even though the deposit was supposed to be 5000 Exactly, yeah. So I, I feel like sometimes, I mean, Christy can kind of chime in on this. They can be specific if they can get enough information, but I feel like the emails, at least that I've received, are kind of broad, and they hope to hit the nail on the head. Right. And I'm sure they do quite often. And there's something fishy. There's red flags there. Oh, yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's one thing I tell, I tell you know, my buyers. I said, if anything brings up a red flag, pick up the phone and call. Christy, what do you have to say about this? <laughs> it's real, and people do not treat it that way. And it, I, we are still trying to educate the community that, it's real, and they still look at us like we have three eyes. So, <laughs> you know, uh, it, if it if it doesn't if it doesn't look right, that's one thing. But a lot of times now they're getting so good that it does look right. You just have to pick up the phone in every transaction, and that's the scary part. So, it used to be easy to find. Um, you know, a, a scammer's oh, email yeah. because they didn't take spelling lessons. Right. <laughs> they couldn't spell right. Right. They are getting better at spelling. Yeah. They, from what we understand, they're actually going through classes on how to communicate properly. Yeah. And that's why they're winning in a lot of ways. And we have got to get smarter at what we're doing on our end. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that. that's amazing. It doesn't surprise me no. that they would actually have classes on how to, how to hurt somebody. Well, if you think about it, though, if, if you can get thousands and thousands of dollars from an unsuspecting consumer, 
I would go through a, well, if I were a bad guy, I'd go through a class. But <laughs> I use my powerful tools for good, not evil. So. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. I was, <laughs> I was starting to worry about I know. I, uh, I put my superhero cape on regularly. So does Escrow still do things the old-fashioned way, like take a check? That, that you hand it, deliver? It, at least, okay, so when you are opening up an escrow, yes, we do take a check. Personal check. Personal check. If it's a 30-day escrow. If it's a short escrow, we have a whole different way of just, you know, doing things. How but short is short? Because at what it, point do you say, no, nah, no more personal checks? Is it's, it five uh, days? It's, it's, it's probably, well, we, I like to say under 30 days because we don't know how long it's going to take for a check to clear. So if it's an earnest money deposit, I will take your personal check. Not cash. We will take a cashier's check or a personal check for initial deposit. When we get ready to close, we do want a cashier's check or a wire. How about an IOU? Yeah, we don't deal with those real well. Okay. I guess that depends what's on the contract, right? Well, If the contract you know, says an IOU, because of... A, a note and deed of trust, you're right. If you want to call that. Yeah. A promissory note uh-huh. could be taken. Yeah. Of course, that really weakens your offer. Yeah. <laughs> if, there, if a seller is sitting there looking at three offers and one of them, their earnest money deposit is a promissory note, yeah, eh, you're probably not going to win. No, not very well. Okay. So, um, wire, wiring funds seems to be the convenient way to do it. But um, I had somebody, a seller who wanted their um, their funds wired because it was convenient. And I said, you know, the escrow company is like one block away from your bank. You know, why take the chance? So with a wire, if I wire the proceeds to the seller, the funds become effective immediately when they receive their proceeds. If I give them a Chicago title check, which is what we issue our refunds in, the bank could hold that check up to 10 days. So if you are going on a vacation, you buying a, a car, you know, you've got things to purchase, a Chicago title check probably isn't the way to go. Because what they want to do is they want to make sure that it's cleared before they cash those funds out. Mm-hmm. What would be the best title advice you could give? Um, I think... I think the best thing is to be able to communicate. If you do not give me all the information that I need in a timely manner, I can't do my job. And if you tell me information that isn't true, I can't do my job also. What kind of information are you talking about? Well, if the customer has a lien, a deed of trust, a loan, if there is child support, if I know these things in advance, I can do my job not only quickly but effectively also. If you – I will find out. If you don't want to tell me, that's fine. She will find out. I will find out. I'll get you. I'll come after you. You know, so, so just understand, like, if you're going to tell me, I, I can find it faster and I can get the job done. But don't don't think that I'm not going to find out later, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you got a whole team of title officers uh, – Searching for you. Oh, yeah. We will get you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, What, 
people talk about 30-day escrow, 45-day right. escrow. Does it have to be a set period of time? On a contract, yes. We need to have all the information on the contract. we got to know what what the expectation is. It can change. You need, to, you need to come up with that idea, and if we need to change it, that's fine. As long as everybody agrees, we're good with changing. We put it on an addendum or, in some cases, a counter in the beginning, and we make it work so everybody is happy or mm-hmm. relatively happy, I guess. Okay. Let's talk about notaries for a, a, <laughs> okay. a minute because um, people wonder, well, why do I need to pay that right. 100 bucks or 200 bucks for right having somebody just take my thumbprint. Right, right. So a notary is uh, somebody that we employ most days. Um, We have approved notaries with our company, and the reason why we have approved notaries is because if something goes sideways, they have uh, E&O insurance that will assist in any errors made. There were some bad people who did some really bad things when we had the real estate fraud going on, and there were people who got a hold of uh, notary books and notary stamps and notarized people that were not legitimate. And so it's our job, because we do cover fraud in, under the title policy, so we're going to make sure that all that stuff's dialed in. There, there are people who will come to me and say, hey, Christy, I have a notary that's in my office. May I please use them? They won't charge me. But they have not been trained to do a loan doc signing. They do not know what the Fresno County Recorder's Office requires. It, they don't know that they need to have a legible stamp. There's a lot of, they don't know how to explain what they're signing either. And so it's really important to have a uh, professional approved notary working on your transaction because if you don't it could cause all kinds of problems later on so for these real estate documents it's not just any uh, what i'm hearing you say is you can't just go to any notary you're not going to go to the ups store okay so because your title company has to know that that person and approve of them Uh uh-huh Absolutely. So there's like letters of recommendation. We have we have the professionals working with us. Period. Mm-hmm. That does make sense. It's to save. People say, "Oh my gosh, I don't want to pay that extra money." But at the end of the day, it gets done, and it gets done right. Okay, let me get your quick opinion on this. Okay. Oh, Supposed- I love that. Go ahead. Supposedly, <laughs> there's a move to um, go to e-notaries. Oh, this is coming. This is real. Okay. Yeah. What do you think of that? Oh, gosh. That was my thought, too. My stomach gets knotted over this, right? Because how do we know? It it gets my stomach knotted about e-signatures still. I know, I mean, what's the difference between me signing it or Brandon signing my name for me, and how do we know, right? Yeah. So we're just taking it one step further. I know that it's coming. It is coming, and I don't know how they're going to differentiate me from another person. There could be another Christy Cutco walk in the streets. I mean, Wait. how do we know which is which? Well, here's what's ironic. Let's put our two conversations together. E-notaries are coming, so you can do this right. online. But just a few minutes ago, we were talking about wire fraud, which is an right. online right. scam. right. 
Uh, boy, I would just think this is opening it up even more. Well, you know, in, in my opinion, it is. I understand that this is the way that things are going to be going. I, I get it. We're going to be taking the human contact out of almost everything we do. It's concerning. Mm-hmm. It's concerning. I don't. I just don't know how you're going to differentiate somebody who's got the same name that you have. I don't know how, you know. But Big Brother knows everything. I'm sure. So right. <laughs> okay. With this. Excuse me. We are going to our next commercial break, so stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 ESPN. Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we have Brandon Uribe and Christy Cutker here in the studio with us. And we've been going over a lot of title escrow, but all of that doesn't mean anything if buyers and sellers aren't out there making transactions. So, Brandon, give me your general take. You, you're, you've been out there selling real estate for four years. You're, you're very active. Um, where what are you seeing in the market? I would I would say the market's still great. Um, I would say compared to last year, I mean maybe some people feel like it's slowed up. I hear a lot of this. Oh, you know the market's coming down. I don't see that being true. I just feel like it's just not as crazy as it was last year. Interest rates are still low. You know houses are still affordable. Mm-hmm. You know people can still get out there, write offers, and get them accepted. Um, but my gut tells me the market's still great. I mean I'm seeing it every day. To where, I mean, Chrissy can agree. I mean, there's nothing crazy happening. It's just slowed up a little bit in relation to how crazy it was last year. So maybe we're closer to normal than a year ago. Yeah, exactly. That's where to put it, yeah. So maybe it feels different, but um, it's not as frenetic as it was a year or two years ago. Exactly. Right. You know, and we keep hearing things about the market shift course when you read the newspapers you read articles online you you, you got to really pay attention because it um, sounds like adjectives are really important in that market where I, I read one recently where in a certain county here in California prices are being slashed I talked to a realtor there and they said no <laughs> you know though our market is is good mm-hmm. in fact talk about prices being slashed here in fresno clovis area the average selling price to list price ratio is 99.29 percent so sellers are getting 99 percent of what they're asking for mm-hmm. now that doesn't mean that a seller didn't have to drop their price to get to the proper listing price but that usually means that the seller was a little too um, high in their hopes yes. right. <laughs> it, to start off with. But once they got to where the market should be, they're, they're getting 99% of, of what they're after. Right. Um, but I think that seller, we have come to a point where it's a little closer to normal. So, so sellers still have to be reasonable. I feel like sellers are becoming a little bit more realistic now compared to last year. Last year, you know, I would say that 
agents would say, hey, you know, your house is worth, according to market value, it's worth $200,000. Sellers knew that it was the market was crazy and there was tons of offers being written on, on, multiple, on, on properties, multiple offers on properties, that they were saying, well, $200,000, let us try two, two $210,000, right? Um, I feel like, like you said, Don, it's because the market's becoming a little bit more normal. Now they're coming to the realization that, you know, let's, let's stay a little bit closer to that market value. I know we want to get more for the house. Um, then maybe market value, but with the market becoming a little bit more normal, it's still being great. I think they're they're being a little bit more realistic, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. Which is actually a good thing. To, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I recently recently told a seller who was asking me several times, is it a seller's market a buyer, or a buyer's market? I said, you know, it's getting closer to normal, so it's still a seller's market as long as you're in the market. Now, if you price it too high... Right. Don't present your property pro- property properly, then you're not in the market. Mm-hmm. You're in your own market. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So um, how about number of sales? I mean, do you see just as many sales happening as possibly last year? Well, I feel like it's hard to determine at the beginning of the year because the beginning of the year tends to be a little bit slower in real estate compared to the warmer seasons and stuff. And, and so we've had more rainy days too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's another thing too, but I know generally, you know, when, when the holidays come around and, you know, early on to the, the year with, with the winter and everything tends to be a little bit slower. So I, I wouldn't say I have a, an exact answer for you on that, but I'd still say it, you know, it doesn't feel any, any different than I don't think what it should feel like. Right. Now, the days on the market, average days on the market right now is 27. Um, a year ago, it was about 19. So it seems to be taking longer, but 19 to 27 isn't a big number. No. Eight. Eight. Oh, <laughs> oh that comes from the S Grosser. I guess you're used to working with numbers. I don't even numbers. have my calculator here. I did that in my brain. Doing that on your own. <laughs> Amazing. I'm that smart. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and maybe 19 days was not normal. 27 is maybe a little closer to what normal should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I felt like last year, if you really priced a, a house right, you could tell your sellers, we're at this price point, we'll have an offer in two days. You know, we can have this thing in escrow possibly within yeah. within the week. Um, and it's and, a whirlwind. When oh, we do. yeah. And, and, and no one's really happy when it's that fast, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. The 27 days is not – it's kind of a blessing because people are m- much more settled in what the situation is. It's when everything happens so fast, and 27, it's concerning. 27 days might sound like a lot of time, uh-uh. but – when you're actually in the process, it happens so quick oh, that yeah. it's like, oh, my gosh, I felt like it was a week. Uh-huh. So, you know, when it's when it's happening sooner than 27 days or, you know, whatever it was last right. year, what would you say, Don, 18 or 18 no, days? 19, on the market, 19 days on the market. I mean, it happens quick. Yeah. Of course, the difference between 18 and 19, and I know you're, <laughs> I know you're going to say is one, but that's not where I'm going with this. When it comes to pulling statistics, the difference between 18 and 19 might have been uh, what, which week you mm-hmm. pulled your stats from. Right, right. So stats are a moving target. Oh, yeah. I, I remember one time I was giving a, a, a talk in front of a group, and I said, well, there were 713 solds 
that occurred in Fresno County last month, and somebody corrected me and said, no, it was 715. And it's like, okay. (laughs) She probably pulled her stats um, a day after I did. (laughs) So... Um, what is your general feel of the market? Like, okay, what do you tell a buyer, Brandon, when a buyer says, hey, I'm ready to go out there and start looking for homes? What should I expect in the market? Uh, in Fresno, I mean, I think that really depends on price points. I was just talking to you a little bit, you know, a little bit earlier and, you know, mentioning that, um, right now between the 155 to about $180,000 price point, it's a little bit more difficult to get into contracts somewhere. You know, you're you're bidding above uh, asking price, and you're still not getting the homes. But um, it it really just I think it depends. But um, I would say what it looks like going into it is get in there, give give it your best shot. And you know, as as a professional in the industry, I know when a house is generally speaking is overpriced for the area. And I might at that point be able to tell my buyer, hey, you know what, it's overpriced. I know it's overpriced based on square footage, based on this, been on the market, you know, 35 days, which is over, you know, what the average is, and say, hey, we have some negotiating power, you know, let's try to do this. So it it really, it depends on a lot of factors. Mm. What do you tell a seller that what, what are their, what should their expectations be when they're going to go on the market? If we can come to the realization that we're listing the price at the at the correct price, at the most accurate price, then I can I'll, I'll tell them that it can happen within a few weeks. That by the time we have the house listed, to the time we have a couple offers on the table, if we're close to the recommended price that I give them, you know, within a couple of weeks we should be in escrow somewhere. Okay. How about here's the tough one now. Oh gosh. How about the, <laughs> yeah? <laughs> this is a curveball. So what do you tell the person the client who wants to sell and buy <laughs> that a that a contingency offer is going to make things a lot more difficult uh, if that in order for them to buy they need to sell that it we're, we might be looking a little bit longer than than the normal amount of time and that mm-hmm. they're going to have to be patient with it because when you write an offer that's contingent upon um, your house selling it throws another loop in the whole process and if at day 30 and you have a 31 you know day close of escrow it falls apart on on the sale of your house well now the purchase of your house just went down the drain too and so i always recommend that we kind of weigh out all the options and we see what might work best for them but i just tell them it's going to take a little bit longer okay we have about a minute left so i want to get your best real estate advice christy um, my best real estate advice is find the right person to work with and somebody that you trust, somebody that has your back because this is a hard process. And if you have the right people on the bus, anything can happen. Okay. How about you, Brandon? What's your best real estate advice? Mine's just do it. <laughs> my, mine's just do it. If you're serious about buying a house, get together with the loan officer and run the scenario. Don't mm-hmm. get online and say, oh, well, I saw you need this, this, and this. I, trying to work your own plan. Get together with a professional and make it happen. Okay, real quickly, what do you want people to remember about today's show? Oh, we had so much fun. We oh. had a blast. All right, Brandon, how about you? <laughs> Uh, title and escrow are important, and the market's so great. Yeah. 
Okay, that's a very good summary, Brandon. Better, he's better than me. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Welcome Home Radio, and we'll be back next Saturday from 9 to, t- 9 to 10, so tune in again. Thank you very much.